Hi, and welcome to Death in Cambodia, Life in America, a podcast where I interview my father, Robert Chow, one of the first survivors of the 1970s Cambodian genocide. He survived the killing fields, navigated through the jungles of Thailand, and escaped to America to build an empire in the donut industry. After about 40 years, I think it's about time he got a chance to share his story. I'm Dorothy, his daughter, and your host for today's episode. Let's dive in. So last episode, we left off with Robert seeing all these dead bodies on the side of the road on his way back home, this kind of being the first time that he's seen a huge mass grave of dead bodies, and he was by himself. So I can't honestly imagine like how scared and how much fear he had in him to walk by himself past all these dead bodies. I mean, can you imagine like being so young and I mean isn't it crazy as well like how casual was it for him to bring it up and be like oh yeah there were like a bunch of dead bodies everywhere that really struck me and I just kind of felt like he must have really seen that often in his life to be able to just be like oh yeah I saw a bunch of dead bodies I saw these killings I mean it just again goes to show the the severity of the trauma that they had to live through. You know, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of context as well in terms of how we re- recorded these podcasts. Um, it, all these conversations are very, very raw. So every Sunday, my dad comes over and I literally just hit the record button and I just let him go. And it's been really, really crazy because you know, when I'm growing up, my dad was, ne- my dad never really let his guard down the way he did in this podcast room. I think cr- in creating this podcast, it allowed him this platform and this appropriate space for him to really let his guard down. And I mean, I, I think I can speak for a lot of Asian and anima- Asian Americans out there when I say that our parents aren't very, very good at sharing their emotions and, and showing their emotions. You know, I'm sure that's a whole nother conversation, but my dad was never ever the type of person to share his emotions. And so all of the emotions that I've ever seen from my dad has really been concentrated into this time period of us recording together. I mean, it's just crazy. And um, it's, it's all, this is very, very raw. Like I'm listening to these stories the same time that you guys are listening to these as well. I mean, these are my real emotions, my real thoughts. I, I mean, he never talked about this stuff. And if he did, it was at a dinner table or very, very briefly or glazed over. I mean, we never really got into the detail, which has been so surreal and so surprising. So anyway. Welcome back. And uh, let's go on and continue the story as he eventually gets home. I continue. I was 14 years old. I was young and strong, so continue walk. So finally, I got home. I got home, and then, oh, everybody said, uh, Mama, 
you know, my mom scream and yell. I said, where were you? I mean, we were so worried about you, this and that. Because of you, we couldn't get out because it's supposed to go to bypass the house that next to Thai border, border so we can cross. Mm-hmm. So because of me, everybody just waiting because m- my mom said, we cannot just go with little the kid, one kid here. So everybody waited. It's just kind of late already. That's been the company took over almost two, almost a whole month already. So now I think the border is already closed. You know, they have soldiers around the border. When you cross, they kill you, they shoot you. So, But still people risk their life to cross to Thailand because they know what's going to happen. So that's the time that I knew who the Khmeru was. It's in my head. This group of people that wear black clothes, all black clothes, and the uh, hat, like the uh, Mao Shitong hat, you know, I don't know what you call that. I know this soldier, it just killed people. That's all in my head. They just, because I saw, I saw the dead body, you know, and that's the time that I knew that I realized that Khmeru, this is Khmeru, the horrible people. So at that time, I think they kept changing. Like I said, every day they changing law, changing rule, changing everything. So when I got home, the rule changed again. We couldn't go to Baibat. We couldn't go across to Thailand. So now we just stuck in the country. So now the rule that changed, they telling, they, they told everybody, said America gonna bomb the mm-hmm. city. They tell everybody, American gonna bomb the city. So now we want everybody get out of the city. Take right now. They don't want you to take whatever you can. So I think, what can you take? It's no, no, no transportation, but they telling you, you can get out the city to the farm, to the, uh, you know, to the uh, remote place, you know, the place that have no people. So when they bomb the city, so we still safe. That's what they telling everybody. So we pack clothes, you know, a lot of people pack cash. A few ICs, you know, like bags of cash, you know, what are you going to do with the money? But, you know, we didn't know. So. To uh, so you. My grandparent, the place that I used to 
grow up from age three to 12, 13 years old. It's about two hour walk. I mean, it's in, in a farm, farm, you know, uh, very small. Not, a, I don't think it's a college. It's, it's no town. It's just, it's from Mongolbury. Mongolbury. So, so then that's where we pack and go to grandma and grandpa's house to live over there. And uncle and aunties still live in a farm. The first month, I think we were, well, uh, let's go back to the day that they get rid of everybody in the city. Uh, a lot of people that live in the city it was working for Khmer Rouge that we didn't know. It's just like, you know. Uh, so when they took over the city and all these people changed their clothes to a black clothes, so that means they are Khmer Rouge soldier. Uh, I knew one guy, uh, we were playing, you know, together. And, uh, but when he changed the clothes to Kmeru, I asking him, I said, huh, why, where you got all these, why you got these clothes? He said, oh, I'm, I'm a Kmeru soldier because I hiding inside the city. I said, wow. So I was happy that he, you know, at least I know one friend that, you know, maybe can, help me so in Mongolia, you only can go four way north south east west because that's only four you know when you can get out the city and go to the farm my family my parent brother and sister so decide to uh, go to grandma and grandpa place so we walk so when we walk out of the city, so all of these soldiers will check you. They have a checkpoint before you get out. What is that? What, what was that for? I, I don't know. I think they just want to collect all your watch, your expensive stuff, all your radio, whatever they want. They just rob. I, the way I see, they just rob you. So they collect, they, they watch, they collect, they collect gold, jewelry, whatever, before they let you out. So this guy here that I knew, he got the checkpoint and just, you know, check out to, you know, uh, to, to, leave. to leave. So he know that my family is wealthy. Of course he know. He live in the city. So he told all the soldiers, said, oh, that guy there, he's wealthy, he's a rich, he's robbed every poor people and all that. I said, what? So the soldier ran and took everything from us. Well, we, we was lucky that he didn't kill us, you know. So if somebody knows that you're wealthy, your 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 identity, then you got you in a you very dangerous uh, position. Position, you know, because they they can go after you even you move to 
to, 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 to the farm, they still can follow you, which is they did. Uh, so we went to uh, live with grandma and grandpa, and then for about a month, now the rule change again, keep changing. Is it okay, whoever that worked for the government, they just try to get rid of, continue the whole purpose. First stage, they call, they let you know, come in here, meet with us, and then they kill on that. It didn't work out. I think it did work for a couple of times. So it didn't work out. So now they get rid of you to the farm. So now they continue to get rid of the, uh, try to get rid of the wealthy people, education people, and, and the go, uh, the, whoever worked for the government, the farmer government. So they continue to kill every single day because, you know, high people before they took over came, uh, the the city, the, the country, because the people that work inside the city, so they know who you are and all that. So, so, so that's why uh, people die. So many people get killed uh, by Khmer rule because they know who you are, even you move away from the city. Yeah, it was it was it was tough uh, for me. Uh, I will uh, remember uh, it just so sudden, you know, so sudden that you know people it just like no food, it just no medicine, and all of these uh, all of these things, and I was. 14 years old, yeah. That's, that's when you knew that, that your life is going to change. Yes. Yes. I know that it will be a tough situation. And in my mind, I think my parents will be tortured or killed soon because of the one person I knew. I feel, I was feel bad. I feel horrified. Guilty. Guilty, yes. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the third episode of Death in Cambodia, Life in America. If you guys have been enjoying the episodes so far, please hit the subscribe button so you're up to date with the latest episodes. And if you could, please, please leave us a review. That would be so wonderful and it helps us out with the ratings a bunch. So um, yes, if you have time, please, please do that. Thanks again so much for listening and I will catch you guys next week.